Uh, good morning. My, that's usually when you say good morning. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> my, my name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Hey, before we get into our message this morning, I want to take just a minute and talk to you about a really, really important teaching series that we're going to start two weeks from this morning, and it's called Life's Biggest Questions. Uh, so starting on February 6th, I'm going to teach about the five biggest, most foundational questions of life that people ask. Now, these are not the five most common questions. Five most common questions would be more like, should I get a tattoo or something like that? That's not what we're saying. We're talking about the five biggest, deepest, foundational questions. These are the questions that would shape an entire worldview. In fact, people live entirely different lives from one another based upon how they answer these questions. So I'll give you a little sneak peek. Here are the five questions we're going to cover. On February 6th, we're going to talk about where did we come from? So is this world, and thus you by extension, are you just an accident? Uh, number two, what's wrong with the world? And I would add, what's wrong with the world, and how do we make it right? People argue about this every day. In fact, probably 50% of tweets on Twitter or statuses on Facebook are about this. People are saying, this is what's wrong with the world right now. And yet, even though we talk about this constantly, I think few people have actually thought critically about why the world is broken in the first place. And you can't actually fix something unless you can correctly diagnose how it's broken. So we're going to talk about that. And number three, how do I determine right and wrong? So there are a lot of people, and this is increasing in our culture right now, that are saying, this is wrong. Don't do that. You need to do this. You have to do this. Well, what's your basis for that? And how can I actually determine what is right and what is wrong? Uh, fourth week, we're going to do, what am I here for? This is, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of your life? What's the purpose of your unique existence? And then finally, another huge question is, what happens when I die? And how you answer those questions determines how you live. And so these are huge questions. And we're going to dive deep into it. We're, we're, I'm not just going to jump around and say a bunch of opinions. We're going to dive into scripture, look at systematic theology. That's just a study of what does the Bible teach on a certain topic. But at the same time, I think this is a fantastic teaching series to invite people to come with you. People are asking these sort of questions and say, come seek the truth with us during this series. Come and check it out. So I encourage you, start praying already about who you can invite to that series. Okay. Uh, thank you. Let's get into our message for this morning. This is kind of a different morning for us. Uh, I'm a bit excited about it. We are doing a baptism at each of our services this morning, which is super great. And we're also going to take some time, just sort of in a, a one-week series, if you will, to talk about how we believe as a church that God is leading us to impact our community. And so to guide our discussion today, we're going to look actually at the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible. So everybody grab a Bible. Uh, there are Bibles in, uh, under the chair in front of you if you need one. Uh, we are going to be on page 128. Uh, you can always find the passages on the Renovation Church app as well. You just have Bible and weekly verses. Now, if you've never read the book of Deuteronomy before in the Bible, if you've never even heard the word Deuteronomy before, uh, Deuteronomy was a book that was written by one of the Israelite leaders named Moses. Uh, in fact, it's primarily a speech that Moses gave, just some historical context on it. So the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. God delivers them from slavery. They leave Egypt. They're supposed to just go basically right to the uh, promised land. Apparently on Google it says it's just a six-day walk. It should have been really easy, right? <laughs> supposed to go right there. But I don't know if you've seen that. But never mind, I shouldn't say this out loud. Okay, focus, David. Um, 
They didn't go right to the promised land. They rebel against God, and they get stuck there as for 40 years. And so most of the adults die off. And now they're finally, it's 40 years later, they're finally about to go into the promised land. And Moses finds out he's not going with them. And so he's giving sort of a final speech. Hey, this is what you're really going to need to know before you set up society in the promised land. And that's really what the book of Deuteronomy is about. And so we're going to look at some of his words from Deuteronomy chapter 10. So you're going to find the big number 10 on your page and then the small number 12 because we're going to start at verse 12. Okay, here's what God's word says. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord? That's not to be afraid of. It's to honor him. To fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants above all nations, as it is today." Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt." Okay, we'll stop there. Now, one of, the, one of the main things that I want you to notice in our passage today is that once again, and I feel like the Lord just has us in this lately, we are seeing this balance of inward faith in outward action. Uh, we talked about this uh, three weeks ago when we were uh, studying our Christian identity as exiles. And we said that exiles are to surprise those around us with our holy life and our good deeds. There's an internal piece and there's an external piece. Unfortunately, what you see in the American church right now is there's a decent amount of polarization on this. There is a huge section, a humongous section of the American church right now that would prefer to, yes, keep living holy and godly lives in their personal lives, but if you ask them, they would also prefer to move to a compound some way, somewhere far away from this messed up world, right? And don't amen that, because I'm about to say that's not a good idea. Okay, and there's another section of the church that they are out there, they're in the community, they're engaging with the poor and the hurting, but all too often this group isn't concerned at all with living by the holy moral code of God's word. And neither of those groups reflect the true heart and even the actions of Jesus himself when he was on earth. So God's word, it does indeed, it calls us to do both. It's to be serious about our inward faith and also about that external action. Uh, James 127, I think, is a classic text on this that's really helpful. So James 127, if you've been in the church for a long time, this might be familiar to you. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. A lot of people just stop right there, right? But it says, and, there's another part. To keep oneself from being polluted by the world, right? That is what we've been saying lately. We are to be in the world, but not of the world, 
Both of these things matter, internal and external. Even if you look at how Jesus sums up much of the Old Testament, I think you can see this dichotomy. So they come up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what's the greatest command? And basically, can you sum up all of the law of the Old Testament? And what does he say? He says, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And you know that's essentially, it's that internal piece. And the second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. It's the external peace. And both of those things are in scripture. And so you start to see that in our passage today as well. So let's start to break it apart a little bit. So verse 12, let's look at it again. Moses says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now that feels pretty similar to the brand of privatized, inward faith that many American Bible-believing Christians are kind of used to. You know, love the Lord, uh, obey Him, serve Him, walk in obedience to Him. And Moses kind of continues with that line of reasoning. If you look at verse 16, when he talks about circumcising your hearts, he's going to explain that, listen, it's not about all the just fake actions. It's got to start authentically in your heart first. But it can't end there because true faith lets itself loose in life. James chapter 2, faith without works is dead, right? And so as we get deeper into the passage, you see this transition once again to the outward. So look at verse 18 now. It says, he, that's God, defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. And so we see God is taking care of the hurting, and we are to do the same. Now, this is actually kind of interesting. There's this really fascinating grouping of people in Scripture, and it's in many verses. And it's in our passage today, and it's in many others. So I want to show this to you now. Look at verse 18. And even if you look at this one on the screen, it says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner. The fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner. This is actually really intentional in scripture because the fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner were the three groups of people in ancient society that were landless. And because of that, everything was about land in those days. And land was kept in your family for generations and generations. Because they were landless, their future was not as bright. And it was not as guaranteed, and that made their present much more difficult. And so God is saying, give special care to love these people. And what's really interesting is you see the same threefold description distinction in all sorts of verses in the Bible. I'll show you a couple of them. I'm Psalm 146, uh, verse 9. It says, the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. Or Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 3. It says, this is what the Lord says, do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. Now, I could keep going through it. You actually see the same three grouped together in places like Jeremiah chapter 7, Zechariah chapter 7, Malachi chapter 3, and on and on and on. And so why is that? And why, why are we supposed to show special care to these groups of people? I think really the most foundational reason, reason 
is because that's what our God is doing. And we are to be imitators of him. This is actually the most foundational reason for Christian biblical ethics. You know, lots of times we just say, oh, we are supposed to do this because that's what the Bible says. But a deeper level of that, and yes, it's still from Scripture, is if we see God doing something or God saying, I care about this, we want to imitate our Father and be like him. That's how we act. Uh, Author Ken Weitzma uh, gives a really helpful way to think about it. He says, okay, imagine that there is a, a single mom. And let's say this a single mom has an 11-year-old son who just loves baseball. Now, sometimes this single mom, to get to her son's game, she has to do all sorts of different things. She has to uh, work a double shift or schedule, uh, adjust her schedule. But whenever she can, almost every time, she is there watching her son play baseball. And she loves her son. She loves baseball. Now, let's suppose that a man begins to date this single mom. If he truly loves this woman, what is he going to do? He's going to love her son. And guess what else he's going to love? Baseball, right? And he's going to be at every baseball game. If he doesn't know much about baseball, he's going to learn about baseball. Because if he loves this woman, he's going to love her son. And he's going to learn to love baseball. And in the same way, if we say that we care about God's kingdom, we will love what and who the king loves. And we see in the word of God that the king loves, that he shows special care to the fatherless, to the widow, and to the foreigner, to those who are in many cases defenseless or, or vulnerable. This is actually really similar to the idea of Matthew 25. Some of you are familiar with this scripture where Jesus in Matthew 25 says, to those who invite in the stranger, to those who give food to the hungry, whatever you do for the least of these, you're doing for me. In other words, they're loving those he loves. Okay, now it's fine to hear a message like this and go, okay, I understand, I hear you, David, like Christians aren't supposed to, I guess, live in communes by themselves somewhere, that we need to be a light in this world, especially to those who need it most. But what if you have no idea how to practically do that? You're sitting here going, yeah, I would do that. I want to do that, but I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, no worries, friend. Today is your day. Okay, for the past six months, our church leaders have been working really, really hard on establishing solid local partners right here in our area so our church, the people of our church, could better fulfill this aspect of our faith. We feel like with the growth of this church that we're in a position now to do this well. And so what I want to do is I want to take the next few minutes and I want to reveal to you our three local partners that our church will now be working with. Uh, before I tell you who they are, let me just say a, a few things on the front end. Okay, there are hundreds of organizations that we could have worked with in Minnesota. If you've got one in mind, I am sure that it is awesome. But let me just tell you a few uh, uh, filters that we use to narrow down to three. Uh, number one, we started the process by asking this question. Who is it that God wants us to serve? And so we looked specifically for organizations that are serving people with a high need, specifically the fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner. 
Number two, we wanted to find organizations that were truly local, not just all of us going down to South Minneapolis to serve. We wanted to be as close to or in Blaine if possible. And number three, we wanted to find groups where, if possible, students and children could serve along with us so that they could see this is what it looks like. Christianity is not about consumerism. It's about serving God. And then number four, if you know our church at all, you'll know that this is huge for our church. We're not just about just going out and serving. We wanted to find organizations where we would be allowed to talk to non-believers about the gospel, about our faith in Jesus. And sadly, that ruled out a ton of organizations right then and there. However, we have three great options for you, three great local partners. Uh, here they are. So we'll put it on the screen. Our first local partner, and I'll just spend a few minutes talking through each of these. Our first local partner is called SALT. Uh, this is our local partner that serves the foreigner, the refugee. A SALT stands for Somali Adult Literacy Training. And so what they do is they serve first generation and some second and third generation even Somali refugees in our local vicinity right here. Because we know that when refugees come, if they can learn literacy skills, if they can learn strong English, that vastly increases their chances for them to be able to thrive in a new society. And so to fill that need, SALT provides tutoring relationships for Somali adults and also Somali children. And they have a huge waiting list of Somalis that are waiting to learn English. And then your relationship building through your tutoring, and we always go in pairs of two, will hopefully provide you an opportunity to one day also share about Jesus Christ. And SALT is in fact actually truly a missions organization, and so they are 100% okay with that. There are no worries there. And now this is easy ground, and it's hard ground at the same time. The vast majority of Somali refugees here are, are Muslim. And yet, after meeting with them two or three times, you might be invited to their sister's wedding because they're a highly relational people. Now, there are obviously a lot more details here, and I'll tell you kind of at the end where you can find those. So we're just going to, for the sake of time, I'm just doing a bit of a flyover over each of these. Okay, our second local partner is going to be Together for Good. Together for Good is our church's ministry that we're partnering with uh, for, it's our ministry to the fatherless. And so what Together for Good does is they connect Christian families like yours to vulnerable and isolated children and parents by providing relational support in the midst of crisis. And so there are many families out there right now that if a crisis hits, they have nowhere to turn. They have no relational support. And so because of that, their kids could end up in the foster care system simply because they just didn't have anyone to call. And so many, for many of these families, the vast, vast majority of which are single moms, if they have a medical emergency and they need to go to the hospital for four days, or they just seriously need a break, or they have to enter treatment for 28 days, for many of these families, they don't have relational support. So if they do that, they lose their children to the foster care system. But what Together for Good does is they connect the kids, of these Christian, the kids of these families with Christian families like yours who then host these children for a night at their house or for a weekend. Sometimes it's even a week. Sometimes there are longer cases even. And so what happens is if you sign up for this and you learn about it 
and you, say, are trained and approved as a volunteer, you start receiving these emails that are called Opportunities for Good. And they just list, okay, here are the current needs for today or for the week. Here are the kids that need help this night or for this weekend. And then you only take a need that fits you or is going to work for you. So you're not committing for an endless amount of time. You can say, that works for us. This weekend works for us. And you're going to... Choose a child that works for your family. So if you have a two- and a three-year-old, you're most likely probably not going to take a 12-year-old, but you might take a baby, right? So you're going to pick what fits and works for you. And I think it is absolutely an incredible opportunity, not just for you, but for many of you that have kids even, for your whole family to tangibly show the light of Jesus Christ to another family, especially to these kids and even to these moms, as there's an opportunity for continued relationship there as well. Okay, our third local partner actually is also a great opportunity for kids to serve alongside of you, and that third local partner is Valued Voices, and this is our ministry to widows or to widowers. Uh, For this, we are partnering with Edgewood Senior Living, which is right here in Blaine. It's actually right next to North Point Elementary School, where we met for many, many years. Uh, Listen, all across this country, Many seniors who live in senior living facilities, many of them are rarely visited. And I don't think, it's like we know that, but we don't want to think about it a lot sometimes too. And so, so many of them are suffering immensely from loneliness. And we have an opportunity to serve widows, to serve widowers, like the scripture says, right here in our area. And so through Valued Voices, you're able to come in in really two ways, in structured times and also in unstructured times. So they have many structured activities where they have games going on or activities or knitting or you name it. You can come in and be a part of something. And there's also unstructured times where you can just come in with your family or by yourself and just have conversations as well. And again, we love this option just like the other two because in all three of these, there are absolutely opportunities to develop relationships And not just serve people, because we're not about just serving people to change the world and make this world a better place and make everyone happier. That's good and that's important, but ultimately, we want people to know Jesus Christ. And so there's opportunity in all three of these to do that. So our goal as a church, by four weeks from now, is to sign up over 100 of us that would be out in our community, outside of these walls, serving and being a light for Jesus Christ. So if you look under the chair in front of you right now, kind of right on the Bible, I think it's on the Bible, I should have looked this up. Um, somebody tell me if this is true. There should be a card on there. Was it on the Bible? Yeah. Oh, good, thank you. Okay, would you just take a look at this? Those are the three options. Uh, whenever you're ready, you can fill this out. You can actually leave it on your chair today. Uh, you can put it in the box. This isn't dedicating you for the rest of your life that you're gonna be a part of this. This is sort of next steps, getting information. I realize that some of you are ready to do this now. Some of you, it's just... This is kind of a big deal, right? And so you need to go home and pray and talk, and that's okay. And so we're going to talk about this for the next four weeks, not in a message every time, but we'll take a couple minutes in each of our announcements. In fact, we're going to have representatives from each of these partners here during this sort of a portion of our service, and they'll be out in the lobby for the next three weeks as well. But the goal is by the end of that four weeks that there would be over 100 of us out in the community being a light for Jesus Christ. Also, if you have a lot of questions about this, there's really two things you can do. We have a ministry leaders for each of these out at a table, kind of closer to children's check-in. If you want to ask them questions, they are experts. They can help answer questions. 
Also, if you go to our website, there's a lot more details. If you're going, well, when would it be? How often would it be? How would I? A lot of those answers are on our website as well. Okay, listen, our heart is to shine Christ in this community. And we believe that we're able to do that in the first place because of what God changes internally in us when we make a decision to follow Jesus. And one of the ways that we celebrate that at this church is through baptism. In fact, what I want to do right now is I want to call up our, our baptismal team on the stage to prepare our baptismal because we are going to do a baptism in this service. Uh, baptisms uh, for us are huge reminders. They're symbolic of the change that happens in each one of us when we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. So we say very clearly each time, when a baptism happens, that's not saving someone. That's not giving them eternal life. It's a symbol of what's already happened. When this person said, yeah, I do want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me on the cross. God is wiping away his sins, washing them away. And He's then coming up a new person, a new, we covered this last week in 2 Corinthians 5, not an old creation, but a new creation, and it's our faith in God that does that. And so every person who becomes a Christian, baptism is a key next step. And so if you need to sign up to get baptized, do that today. We do this about every four or five weeks or so. Also, every person that you see baptized at Renovation Church has two sponsors. Uh, these are people who've played a key moment in their spiritual walk, and that is a high, high honor at our church. And so you're going to get to hear a story, a testimony, and then we'll see a baptism. And so, Ron, uh, you can come on up at this time. My name is Ron Price. I grew up in a Christian home with two loving parents who were very supportive of me. We went to church regularly, and I can't remember a time when I did not believe in God. I've always believed that Jesus was my Savior and that he died on the cross for my sins and that he was resurrected on the third day and is alive in heaven. I just didn't live my life like a follower of Jesus. I acknowledged Jesus in my head and sometimes even with my lips, but not so much with my lifestyle. Instead, I allowed my career and desire for a success to become my idol. It took the majority of my time and attention. Because of that, I often neglected my marriage, my family, and my time with God. I lost sight of what was truly important. I felt like I had to do everything on my own. I still considered myself a Christian, but I was far from God. Even though I had drifted away from him, the Lord never stopped pursuing me. In the fall of 2019, God decided to get my attention. I developed a nagging cough and lost almost 30 pounds. My wife encouraged me to see a doctor. He ran some tests to figure out what was going on. On Christmas Eve, I got a call from the oncologist's office informing me that I had cancer and that they had scheduled an appointment for me the Friday after Christmas. At the appointment, the doctor told me that I had acute myeloid leukemia. I asked if we had caught it early. He looked me in the eye and told me that this was a very serious situation and, I, and had I not come in for treatment, I would have likely been dead in six weeks. Well, I'll be honest with you, that certainly got my attention. I checked into the University of, Hospital, or University of Minnesota Hospital that night to start chemotherapy. Over the next several months, I was in and out of the hospital getting treatment to get my body ready for a bone marrow transplant. The transplant would replace my bad blood cells with the new ones, and if it worked, I would be cancer-free. 
While getting chemo, I was not able to work, so work was no longer my primary focus. I had time to reflect and take stock of my life. I started to focus on what was really important. I spent time with God in prayer and reading my Bible and other Christian materials. Spending this time with God is when I began to feel that I could have a real relationship with him. During this time, he showed me how blessed I was. I had many friends and family visit, call, send cards, and even offer to be a bone marrow donor for me. I never had a doubt that God was going to cure me. I had an incredible sense of peace about that. After my successful bone marrow transplant, I continued my recovery at home with regular visits to my oncologist. I had become comfortable staying home, praying, and reading my Bible. But God knew I needed more to truly grow in my faith. I needed to find a church home. In July of this year, or, it's last year now, in, um, in July of last year, I visited Renovation Church. It only took one visit for me to know that this church was different than any other church I had ever been to. Renovation is not a place to learn about Christianity. It's a place to learn how to live a Christian life, to be a disciple of Jesus. I am learning that being a Christian is more than just acknowledging the fact that Jesus died for our sins so I can go to heaven when I die. It's also developing a relationship with the king of the universe and being able to know and experience the love of Christ here on earth. The more I learn about Jesus and follow what he taught, the more peace I have in my life. I have now turned my life over to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God is truly great. Um, so my sponsors are uh, Jim and Larry. Uh, Jim is not able to come up here because he had a surgery recently. I've been walking with these guys for over 15 years. Um, and um, my other sponsor is uh, Gary, who is somebody that I met since coming to this church, and he is also helping me in my faith. Thanks, Ron. This is what we're about, right? The, the thing that pushes us even out of these walls to go out and surf, to do hard work, it's Jesus. It's life change. I think of if I can even just go back to verse 19 in this passage, I think you can, you can get a heart from, from, these, from this verse right here. Moses says, And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. So he's saying to the Israelites, Hey, you, you can, these people are foreigners among you, but you remember what it was like. You were foreigners. You were slaves in Egypt. And Christians are to move with the same mindset. That we can love people of all walks of life because we can remember what it's like. We can remember what it was like to be fatherless before we had a heavenly father. We can remember what it was like to be slaves and slave to sin, but now God has come into our life. This is why we love to share stories here. Because for all of us, God has come into our life and he has moved us out of this self-focused life, whether it be your career or it be your marriage, or it be lust, or, or whatever our idols are, God moves us away from them to a God-focused life and an others-focused life. And we can do that. We can love other people primarily because of what the scriptures teach, that God first loved us. And that is an astounding thought. That before I was even thinking about Jesus, 
that God loved me, that he saw all my mess-ups, the messiness of my life, and the mistakes, and said, I love him. I love you. He loved you first. You see, a lot of people get religion backwards. They think, oh, religion. And a lot of religions of the world look like this. They say, the God out there, whatever they call him, will love you if you do A, B, C, D, and E. And Christianity flips that on its head and says, no, 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 he actually loves you. And because he loves you so much, we naturally, out of love for him, want to do A, B, C, D, and E. Do you see the difference? And that is so important. And that is what drives us. It's the love of God. He loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in your place, dying for the punishment for your sins. And it is your faith in him. It's not you going through the list of good deeds. It's your faith in him saying, I believe you did that for me, that washes away your sin like you have sin all over you. And your faith in him washes that away. So you are made right with God. You are forgiven. You can walk with him, know him like Ron was saying, have a relationship with him, and also have eternal life with him in heaven. And so if there's anyone here in this room and this story is just hitting you and you're going, I need that in my life. Not just to say I'm a Christian and come to church. I need a relationship with God to truly let him be the leader and savior of my life. I urge you, make that decision today. You don't know what your life is like. I literally, I met with someone this week who their, their spouse received, got cancer. 72 days later, she's gone. We don't know. Are you right with God? Do you know him? Do you know him? In fact, I want to give you a chance right now to, to meet him, to have a relationship with him. Would Everybody in the room, would you just close your eyes just for a second? Before we end this service, I just I want to give you this opportunity. If you need to make this decision, like Ron made this decision, to say, I want to make him my leader and my savior, to be forgiven by him. I want to walk with him. If that's you and you've never made this decision before, what I want you to do is a way to sort of draw a line in the sand, to say, yeah, it's today. I'm inviting you in, Lord, right now. I believe you died for me. I want you to be my leader. If that's you, would you just... Raise your hand up into the air to say, yeah, God, it's me. Forgive me. I want to be your follower. Anyone here? Would you just raise your hand up in the air? All right. Amen. Anyone else? All right. For those of you that raise your hand, uh, what, I, what I want to do right now is we want to pray with you. The Bible says when we get to this point that we believe in our hearts, we confess with our mouth. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer, and I want you to just repeat it after me, whether you're believing for the very first time or you've believed this your whole life. Would you just all say this out loud after me? Dear God, I confess to you that I have sinned against you. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to take my place. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with my life. All right, for those of you that raised your hands this morning, uh, what I want to say to you is we want to give you some information so you know what to do next. Because you don't want to say, 
God, I'm giving my whole life to you and then have no idea how to do that or what to do. And so in just a second, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, what I want you to do is just to, for those of you that raised your hands, just to sneak out of your row and head back into the lobby. Our follow-up team will meet you there. I'll come out and meet you in a minute. And just for three or four minutes, we're going to give you some extremely important resources so you know Okay, this is what I need to do next. So important. If you came with someone from this church, I have them come with you as well. And we will get you those information, that information. And that would be such a key blessing to you. Okay? So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, uh, you can head out. All right, Lord, thank you uh, so much just for uh, this morning. Thank you that, God, that every, every week we're seeing people just make this life change, not just life changing, but eternity changing decision. What an honor to get a front row seat to that. We thank you for Ron and just what you did in his life, even through hard things, God. Give us the faith to trust you in that. And Lord, be with our church as we go out of these walls and into the community with your incredible light. May we turn the city upside down for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.